Hi guys, welcome to Mom Jeans and Crime Scenes. I'm Trish and I'm excited that you're here. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and hit that little bell and even share the video if you feel inclined to. Um, I would love to have you part of my little crime scene. So anyways, um, today I am going to do a story that I wasn't actually going to do it for a while, um, but there were some updates this week to the story, so I thought we just need to do it now. Like, we have to. So, um, I had decided to do Mackenzie Lewick this week, and yeah, so we're going to begin right now. So Mackenzie Lewick was born to an Elias family in El Segato, California. She had three brothers, and I think that they gave her some tough love. Um, she's kind of the only girl, and so I think that they probably were, you know, brothers to her because everyone will describe Mackenzie as a strong, independent woman, and I think that that really comes from having big brothers. I think that helps so much. So Mackenzie, she was a California girl. She loved the beach. She loved the ocean. Like she loved wearing her bikini. Like that was Mackenzie. And she, um, was just a big dreamer. And she decided that she was going to move to Utah all by herself to go to school. So she went to the university of Utah for pre-nursing and kinesiology. So she kind of had some dreams. She moved into an apartment all by herself. Um, she got a some few pets because she's a pet lover and an animal activist. Not only was she an animal activist, but she's also an activist for women's rights and for like, she's just a feminist, like really, really strong in her beliefs. Um, she came to Utah as a Republican, but as she spent some time here, she realized she's an independent. So she re-registered as an independent. So that girl was finding who she was here in Utah. And it was just really cool for people to kind of see her grow and change. Um, so anyways, she was um, living at home by herself. She was working, like all this all by herself. Just super, super, super independent. So it's something I really admire when I think about Mackenzie and when I was hearing about her when she went missing. Um, at first I was like, well, she's super independent. I'm really hoping that's because, you know, she just went and did something on her own. But anyways, on June 17th, Mackenzie, um, she flew home from California. She'd spent some time in California because her grandmother had passed away. So she flew home on June 17th. And that trip to California, that would be the last time she sees her family, the last time she touches the beach or smells the ocean. Um, yeah, ever again. When Mackenzie landed in Salt Lake International Airport, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning on June 17th. 
So she texts her mom and she lets her mom know that she landed safely. And then she follows that text with um, saying, I love you, mom. So her mom said that she did send her a message back. But the message, it was an iPhone. The message was never sent. So either she wasn't getting service or she'd shut her phone off. For some reason, that message just never went through. So Mackenzie gets um, a lift from the airport. And instead of having the lift driver take her home, she has the lift driver take her to a park, Hatch Park in North Salt Lake. So if you're familiar with North Salt Lake, um, there's some areas that can be a little bit scary. And Hatch Park wasn't the most ideal place to be dropped off at 2 o'clock in the morning. In fact, she wouldn't even get there until closer to 3 because it was about an hour away from the airport. So she assured the lift driver that it was safe for her to be dropped off at Hatch Park, that she was meeting a friend. So the lift driver took her to Hatch Park. So as they are approaching, um, she sends a text message, and that's about 2.58 in the morning, okay? And so they get to the park, and they see a black sedan, or a dark-colored sedan parked there. And Mackenzie tells the driver, hey, this is, you know, my friend. And so he takes her to the car. He gets her luggage out. He sees her interact with the driver. It's dark. He thinks the driver might be a woman, but he's not 100% sure on that. Um, but that's his assumption that that's her friend that she's meeting. So he puts the bags in the car, makes sure that Mackenzie gets in safe, watches her drive off, and then he leaves to go pick up more people for his shift. So, around 2.59, one minute after she sent the last text message, Mackenzie's phone is powered off. At this point, I'm not sure if it's powered off because she turned it off herself, if the power died on it. Um, it sounds, I think if I remember right, it sounded like they thought that she shot her phone off. So, throughout the day on Monday, June 17th, and for several days after, Mackenzie's family is trying to get a hold of her. They've texted her. They're calling her. Nobody is getting in touch with her. Um, she has not come home at all. She's not returned to her apartment at all. Her luggage has not been returned to the apartment. Her animals have not been taken care of. You know, when you go on a, on a trip and you come back, you bring your luggage home, you get your toiletries out, you kind of unwind, right? No, nothing like that happened, okay? So her friend goes, checks things out. They're not, they're not sure. She's not sure. Like Mackenzie has not been in that apartment. So that's kind of something that they're like, hmm, that's weird. Like where would she be? Well, then they find out that she missed her midterms. And like I said, her, you know, being pre-nursing and kinesiology, those are important to Mackenzie. And that's likely the reason she came back from California was to do the midterms. Like that was super important to her. She'd already had a flight planned to go back the next week for a wedding for a friend. So she, she could have just stayed in California for that week, but she came home. So I'm assuming because those midterms were so important to her. So when she misses the midterms, her family's like, okay, something is terribly, terribly wrong. So, um, on June 20th, her dad's like, okay, we're going to call and report her missing. Like obviously she's not been around. So she's reported missing on the 20th. Now on the 22nd, police, you know, this starts to become public. We're starting to hear about her. Police come in and say, 
you know what? She's an adult. She's independent. Like, we, there's not a whole lot at this point we can do. We don't believe that there's foul play involved. We don't think she's been hurt so far. There's no evidence indicating that. Um, so there's like a process that needs to be done. You know, keep an eye out for her. But just remember, she's entitled to her privacy. So you, you see like Facebook groups and people getting upset that the police aren't doing enough. But they, there's only so much the police can do at that point. So on Saturday the 23rd, Mackenzie is supposed to fly back to California for her friend's wedding, okay? She does not board her plane. She paid for her tickets. This isn't like somebody from her family bought her tickets, you know, and she's just like skipping out on it. Plane tickets are expensive, and she paid for her plane tickets, and she did not make that flight. So they call the airliner. They know for sure she did not board that plane. So now things are serious. Now we know, like... Okay, these are obligations that she's consistently missing. And I remember hearing about that and I was like, okay, this girl is missing. Like that, that really freaked me out when the, the news had reported that. On the 24th, um, the police start to kind of work on her social media accounts. Um, they find some information from her phone that leads them to a home in Rose Park, which is kind of a suburb of Salt Lake City. So on June 25th, police start to share photos of Mackenzie at the airport. So we know that she landed in the airport. We know that she really got to Utah. Um, there's pictures. There's evidence. We can see what she was wearing. Um, and I will post pictures too so that you can kind of see what she looked like um, when she landed. So anyways, the police are kind of quiet right now about what's going on, like what they're thinking. They're not saying a whole lot, but it's not because they have no clue what's going on. They are working on some really, really important leads. So on Wednesday, June 26th, they search a home with a warrant in their hands. So clearly they had some really good leads that they were working on to pop back up to the home in Rose Park with a warrant in their hand. So they're going to search the home, the property, and the homeowner's car. Police, um, they search her social media and they are trying to learn more about Mackenzie and who she talks to and kind of what she does, right? Kind of learn who Mackenzie is. And they find several apps on her phone used to meet men, which isn't abnormal right there's always dating apps and things like that that people use especially when they're in their 20s and 30s like of course she's gonna have those kinds of things but there's a couple of apps that are, they're kind of like uh interesting so one of, or a couple of those apps so she's got call her daddy she's got um tinder and seeking arrangements on her phone and they find that these are um all apps that Mackenzie is using frequently so they actually learned that for a long time she's been using these apps and she's connecting with men often, frequently sending sexual messages that um, include pictures, conversations, videos, and dating arrangements. So rumors start to kind of spread across social media about this, okay? Um, you know, people are saying that Mackenzie's a sugar baby, that she's meeting men for sex um, in exchange for money or different things like that. Um, and I kind of really want to prove like, just say, I feel like nobody deserves to die. I don't care 
who you are or what you're doing. Um, if you decide to meet men in a park, in the dark, or if you choose not to do that, if you decide that's not safe for you, in either scenario, you do not deserve for somebody to come in and take your life. You just don't, okay? So um, we make choices that are best for us. We make judgments and decisions that are good for us. And that's exactly what Mackenzie was doing. Mackenzie was weighing whatever options she had and she felt like this was safe for her, okay? So there's one app in particular that really catch our policeman's eyes. And they noticed that she's using a third party like text messaging called Text Me. And it's being used a lot between June 3rd and June 17th, okay? And in fact, she uses it after she lands in Salt Lake City. She uses that app a few times and she uses that app to text somebody. At 2.58, the very last text message she sent, they use, she, yeah, she's using the Text Me app. So kind of interesting. Police realize that this IP address for this um, text messaging app belongs to a home in Rose Park. So they are going to go check that out. Okay, so Ayula Ajayi, um, he's also known as AJ. He's from Africa. And he, before moving to the U.S., um, that's that's where he lived. He's, he came from Africa. Um, from what I understand, he may have had a kind of a rougher upbringing. There's not a whole lot of information that I could find on him. Um, but I do know that when he moved to the U.S., he joined the Army, and he was in the Army for a few years before being honorably discharged. Um, he also attended the Utah State University in Logan, um, but then he ended up being banned from the school. And I have heard different reasons. One of the reasons that stuck out most to me was that he was aggressive, um, like, yeah, really a, a kind of an aggressive fella. So um, that is what I think he was probably banned for, but yeah, I couldn't really find a whole lot of information about that. So I'm going to kind of dig. If I find some more, I will post some links on my website so you can really dig into it because it's really interesting. His, his story is an interesting one. So he was here with a visa. He was supposed to be going to school. He gets kicked out of school, and so he's going to be deported if he doesn't do something right. Well, guess what, guys? He actually happens to find the love of his life and he gets married all of a sudden. Isn't that just like amazing? Um, so he finds this woman in Texas because that makes sense, right? And her name is Tanisha and they get married. And it's totally because of love. It is not because he needs to stay in the United States. Okay, let's just be clear about that. Okay, um, at least that's what they say. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that necessarily, but who knows where things have happened. But in this totally in love with each other marriage, they do not have sex. There is no sex. I don't know why you would get married to somebody if you are too scared to have sex with them. But she was too scared to have sex with him. In fact, she was so scared of him that she, when he moved back to Utah, she refused to move back with him. She did not want any part of that. And she kind of went into hiding. Um, his friends in the army would contact her and threaten to kidnap her. Um, he would threaten her with knives. Um, in fact, in one situation, he actually tries to stab her with a knife and she reaches out 
to deflect the knife and gets her hand cut. Like, he's a freaking psycho dude, okay? Um, and she tries to file for divorces. He will not sign papers. So she stays in Texas. As far as I know, I don't, I'm not sure if they filed for a divorce, but I know that um, when Mackenzie disappears, they're still married from what I understand. So AJ was a self-proclaimed model. He thought pretty highly of himself. And not only was he a self-proclaimed model, he was also an IT genius, which I think is freaking hilarious. And I'll kind of get to that more later, but why I think that's so funny. But um, a lot of people would describe AJ as charming, but kind of like a creepy charming. Like he was okay enough, but like kind of give people the heebie-jeebies, but kind of not. Um, but underneath that charm was a monster. And that monster had a home in Rose Park. So police show up at AJ's doors and they explain to him that he's there, that they are there because of this missing girl. And they say that, you know, the IP address on a phone number that she's been texting pops up to your address. And, you know, AJ, he's so smooth. He has a he has an answer for this, okay? So, of course he has an answer for this, right? He's smarter than the police. He is so intelligent. So he tells the police, well, hey, you, I use my home as an Airbnb, and so I have to leave my Wi-Fi on so all my guests are able to use my Wi-Fi. So, I mean, maybe that could be true, but I don't think so. So the police asked to look at his phone. And he's like, I'm smart of the police. So he hands over his phone and they find the same app that Mackenzie was texting, the text me app. Now, how many people have text me app on their phone? I'm willing to bet not a lot. And if you do, like, I think maybe you're up to something you probably shouldn't be. But I, like I said, again, I could be wrong. Um, but they find the dating app seeking arrangements also on his phone. So they know that... Mackenzie uses this app. They know that he's been using this app. So it's kind of interesting. What a crazy coincidence. Um, but I think that if you're an investigator, you probably are thinking that there's no coincidences with stuff like that. So they kind of go through her phone a little bit more and they discover Mackenzie's phone number in his phone. And it is under the name Text Me. So um, it's kind of interesting I will kind of get more into that in a little bit about the text me app and what my thoughts are on with it. But anyways, so police leave and AJ contacts them pretty like quickly after that. And he's like, oh my gosh, you guys, I just remembered Mackenzie. She texted me once a question mark and I said seeking arrangements and yeah, she wanted a picture of me. So I sent her a picture. I didn't really care for a picture of her, of course, like that wouldn't make sense, right? So I've never seen her. I don't know what this girl looks like. Really, AJ? Really? So here's where it gets kind of crazy, I think. So AJ, because he's an IT genius, he agrees to give his phone over to the police because he, he thinks that he can get rid of everything on that phone and the police cannot find this. But they're able to um, to forensically 
extract information off of that phone, which I think is pretty freaking cool if you ask me. They find a picture of Mackenzie on his phone. Um, they can see that his phone has pinged in the same park at the same time as Mackenzie's phone did. What a coincidence there too, right? So they find that his phone pings again at 3.07ish back at his home. So it's not a very long drive. And yeah, interesting, right? So video surveillance shows a, a black car driving away from Hatch Park. And this car is consistent with the same shape, size, and color as AJ's Kia Optima. Is that a coincidence? I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? So on June 26th, a search warrant is served to AJ. And they are going to search his home, his property, and his vehicle. So his backyard is covered with mulch, and it's like fresh dig site. You can see behind the little garage, you can see where he had a big bonfire and the neighbors are like, yes, we completely saw this guy. He had this huge fire back there and it stunk like nothing we've ever smelled before. Like it was horrible. In fact, one neighbor says it was so bad that she decided to go talk to him about it and tell him like, yo, this stinks. You need to put this fire out or I'm going to go call the fire department. So, like, he knows that the neighbors are on to him. He has a guy who is staying in the Airbnb at that same time. And that guy is like, dude, it's not a good idea to have a fire out there. But he sees AJ with his gas can and he's pouring gasoline to make the fire bigger. And the dude's like, you know what? I'm just going to go stay in the house and let this guy do his own thing. Like, this dude is obviously crazy. So that's probably what I would have done too because I wouldn't want any part of that. So police, they come, they take bags and bags of evidence. Like I think they even had a pitchfork that everyone was like, what the heck? Like they had all kinds of evidence that they took with them. But they were kind of quiet about it for a little bit. Um, they did say that they found a, a purse or a handle bag of some kind there. Um, also, some other things that they found were um, like muscle tissue. They found a piece of skull with the, the scalp and hair attached to it. And um, yeah, they found, you know, just a little bit of what they believe were human tissue. Uh, it was later confirmed that that was, that was Mackenzie. They also had cadaver dogs come and hit on the burn site and the dig site but they they didn't find Mackenzie's body um but those partial remains they were confirmed to be Mackenzie and they announced that like the very next day so it was really quick um it was a big deal on the news in fact uh I was really surprised that they didn't make an arrest they it was just it was silent the next day in fact I I remember right they even let AJ move back into his house. And I think that they still had um, guards kind of around. But I believe, if I remember right, he came back and stayed there. And I was so frustrated. I was like, they just took all those bags of stuff out. Are you telling me they found nothing? I was really, really disappointed. But I do believe that they probably let AJ back in. 
They had searched it thoroughly. They had gotten everything that they needed out. They had enough to make a case, and they needed to make sure, you know, that they could submit this to have everything done right so that they could arrest the guy. They needed to make sure that the, the remains that they found were Mackenzie's. They needed to, you know, do everything the right way. And so that meant that we, even though we were invested in that emotionally, we really needed to be patient and let the police do their job. So they needed to also to make sure that they kind of had his trust, I think, too, so that he wouldn't run. So they let him move back in. But on the 28th of June was a grand day. I was super stoked when I was checking Facebook at work. I mean, on my lunch break, of course. And they had AJ marching down a street with all these um, SWAT members and their guns out, like everything. Like they had the whole shebang and they arrested AJ. They were actually pretty hush-hush about the person that they were arresting. Like I remember that they had like the streets blocked off. I remember something big was happening and there was a news story and they thought maybe it was AJ. They did show like, you know, AJ kind of from afar and I recognized immediately like that was for sure him. So I was pretty excited and when they confirmed that they arrested him, that was like the most glorious day. I was so glad that they got the guy. Um, it was just neat to see him in handcuffs because that's where he belonged. Um, but yeah, so on the 25th, police, they were amazing. Like they used this digital forensics, I guess, to like really put this murder together. Okay, on the 25th, they see that his phone pings several times up Logan Canyon. And we know that he's got to be pretty familiar with Logan Canyon because he went to school up that way. So he went up there and he buried her body. And the pings on the phone led the police to that area. Up in Logan Canyon, Mackenzie is found. She's found with her hands tied behind her back with rope and zip tie cord um they see that she's been viciously choked that she was hit extremely hard in the head in fact she's got a hole missing um on her skull that that blow was a fatal blow that's what took her life um aj tried to burn her body <sighs> you can't burn a body you guys like if you study true crime you know you cannot burn a body like it doesn't work out for you. So he had tried to burn her body, did not work, so he buried her body. And when the police came on the 25th, he was like, oh shit. So he took her body that night and trans transferred it up to Logan Canyon. Um, yeah, so kind of a jerk. Like, seriously, it, may, it, it makes me like crazy when I think about search warrants being served. And they like are they do, even when they just go to visit and talk to the guy before they even get the search warrant, and the body is there on that property, as the police are there. Um, and you you saw that with Gannon Stotch too. Like I'm pretty sure that Gannon was there. Same with Mackenzie. Mackenzie was there. And if they would have had that warrant, I know that there's like a whole process to getting warrants and stuff. But it's just crazy to me that they would have maybe found her sooner. But they found her. Um, in a, a, under a grove of trees in a shallow grave. But thankfully, they were able to find her quickly and they were able to get her home to her family so that she could be buried properly. So that is the story about Mackenzie Lewick. I'm going to do a part two um, discussion points because this story really is deep. It is so, 
crazy to me how much went into the story, how, how many crazy details there were. Um, yeah, so I'm going to do a discussion. So if you want to tune into that, please do. I would love to. And you drop your comments. Tell me what your thoughts were on the case or what your thoughts are hearing about the case. Um, make sure that you subscribe and you like and you ring the little bell if you're feeling it because I would love your support. I would love to bring you along on this journey. And anyways, okay, I hope you guys have a good night.